open your Bible to John chapter 1, please. I'm going to read you a passage you've probably heard read at Christmas time countless times. It's not as well known as the Nativity story. The Gospel of John starts differently, though. It doesn't begin with the story of Jesus as a baby. Instead, it begins before that. Not with the angels of Jesus and Mary, not with the genealogy of Jesus, but before that as well. It tries to take us all the way back to the beginning, the beginning of everything. I want to read to you in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. I won't go through the whole thing in detail, but I just want to give you some thoughts to hang on to to help you have something to meditate on as you see all the Christmas stuff around here at the finals. I want you to see something glorious about Jesus in this passage. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. It was life. That life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. But the darkness has gone to be sure. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light gives light to every man who is coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him, yet to all who received him, those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh, and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out, saying, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he is before me. In the fullness of his grace, we've all received one blessing after another. For the law was given to Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. But God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. This is the very word of the living God. I'll never forget the first time that we were invited to my friend's dad's cabin in the woods. It was in the San Bernardino Mountains, and we were invited to the cabin as a family uh, near Lake Arrowhead. And I asked questions in preparation. Should we bring sleeping bags, bug repellent? sharp stick to ward off bears, thermals, what kind of thing do we need? He says, we have everything in the cabin that we need just come. And as we approached this place, I realized that this wasn't an ordinary cabin. We went down this winding road. We're already up in the mountain after that long drive. But now, uh, a bit of a private road, a winding road led to the address, and at the bottom of that road was this gate that opened a massive adorned gate. 
And then uh, after that gate, this driveway that was fancy. I mean, when the driveway is fancy, you know it's fancy. It was like special. And the house wasn't a cabin at all. It was a lakefront mansion. They called it the cabin because he was raised different than most of us. <laughs> and as we moved towards this grand entrance where you could see through the front windows to the back windows of the house and then onto the beautiful lake, we realized sleeping bags would be inappropriate because there was eight bedrooms and it was nice. The Gospel of John begins with something like that. Sort of a grand entrance. Sort of a more than you could ever expect kind of beginning. And these familiar verses are written in obvious poetical ways and with a focus that's all matching on each side, a chiastic sort of structure. Verse 1 is like verse 18, verse 3 is like verse 17, and you can do that all the way through the passage with a middle focus on the right to becoming children of God. John begins his gospel a bit like arriving at this grand mansion on a lake. He has something to show us, and at the very outset, he wants us to see that there is so much here that will exceed our expectations. And the things that he tells us in the Gospel of John, if you've never really studied the Gospel of John, I would encourage you to, maybe even over the Christmas break, as you take some time in God's Word. So many people have been converted and challenged and and called to acts of service and ministry through this particular gospel. It's been used of God in unusual ways in people's lives. And it starts in this first paragraph, introducing all these themes and words and elements that are intending not to scare us off, but to welcome us in. To see that there's a story here about Jesus that will exceed all your expectations. And like the driveway leading to this grand mansion, this opening paragraph, it is such a complete introduction to it that you know that as you get closer, you'll see only more and more of what makes it so stunning and matchless and beautiful and compelling. And it opens with these words, in the beginning was the word. And that's such a a provocative way to start. It's intentionally trying to make you remember how the entire scriptures begin. Because the Hebrew Bible begins with those same words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In that first beginning, that story culminates in the creation of man. The the high point of God's creation after making all of, of the glories of the earth. He makes man in his image, and and that's the high point. But in this story, in the beginning, God doesn't create the heavens and the earth. In this one, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was with God in the beginning. 
Of all the things that John will tell us about Jesus and his miracles and his teaching and his atoning death, at the very start, he wants us to see, see that this book that he's writing is the story of God and the story of the world, not the story of just some character who's featured prominently in a manger in a Christmas scene. But this is a story about the creator God who acts in a way as important and as cataclysmic and as notable as when he spoke this whole world into existence. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. No small matter. And in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word, and He was with God in the beginning. So at the very outset, by saying that Jesus is the Word, we're reminded that God is now showing us that He has something to display on the level of magnitude of Him speaking this world into existence, something that culminates a long story that began in Genesis and it goes all the way to this paragraph and to the end of the age. The climax is the arrival of a human being, the word becoming flesh. And it's important he uses the word word. If I use words, you expect me to do something about them. If I say, I'll meet you at 9 o'clock, when I don't come at 9 o'clock, you have your feelings hurt because my words said something. My words mean something. I must have intended something by saying words. Your words matter. Your words matter. God's words are even more significant. And if I were to say something that didn't match up with my life, you'd say to me, but you said. You see, God throughout his scripture speaks. The heavens are made by the word of God, Psalm 33, 6. God's word brings life. God's word goes forth. God's word in its creative power, in its revealing power. And the Bible up to this point has shown the power of the Word of God. And so now Jesus is shown to be the fulfillment of the embodiment of the very Word of God. That the wisdom of God in the Scriptures in the Old Testament, now God's Word and God's wisdom is contained in a person. The temple was the place that would hear the Word. The Torah was the, the guardianship of the Word, the, the Bible, the Old Testament. But now the Word was to be seen Embodied, personified. Verses 1 and 2 culminate in verse 18. It says, No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. The point here is that the Word was and the Word is God. John knows perfectly well, he's stretching this out to show us that Jesus is the one. Jesus is the one who became human, became one of us. The human being we know as Jesus is the center and the theme of this gospel. 
And what this paragraph is saying is, if you want to know who God is, the God who is invisible, the God who no one has seen, the invisible, holy, separate, almighty God, then all you have to do is look long and hard at Jesus. Because if you've seen Jesus, you've seen God. That's why he introduces this book that tells us the story of Jesus in this powerful language. And like I said at the beginning, all of this, this passage is centered around that central statement, the very middle of this paragraph. Starting in verse 11, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You see, Jesus came into this world and challenged the darkness and challenged uh, the sinners and, and showed that he was coming into this creation that he had spoken into existence and challenging darkness itself. In the same way in Genesis 1 where God said, let there be light, now Jesus enters into this world as light. And when God sent his son into the world, the world did something very provocative. It pretended it did not recognize him. It pretended it did not recognize its creator. And it wasn't an intellectual problem. It was a moral problem. The world doesn't recognize Jesus then or now because they prefer darkness. Because our hearts prefer sin. And that's why we need grace. That's why verse 16 says, from the fullness of his grace, we've all received one blessing after the other. You see, apart from the grace of God, you would not recognize this word. You would not recognize this light. You would not recognize this Messiah. Apart from the grace and truth that come through Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, what's so fascinating, riveting, exciting about this passage is the truth in verse 12. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You know, to, to have a big house on the lake, you've got to be born into a certain kind of family. And there's a lot of things that the family you were born into included you in or excluded you in. But to be a part of God's family, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to be children of God. God wants people from everywhere in every time to be born in a new way. To be born into his family, which began through Jesus and has since this time spread throughout the world. And you can be a child of God. Because something happens to people that causes them to become new people. As it says in verse 12, if you believe in his name. And so John unfolds that story step by step. In the gospel that follows, leading us down that great driveway into the drama of God and this world and Jesus and Israel and the glory of God manifest in flesh and it's played out on the human stage and the calling of the disciples and in the miraculous work of Jesus and in his display of his full divinity and in his marching towards the cross 
Though Christmas is glorious to see that baby in a manger, Easter is better. Because after his death, he's resurrected. And then we see what God had in mind all along. We see what this John the Baptist character was pointing towards. And we see why the Gospel of John begins the way it does. God sent his son so that if you would receive him, if you would believe in his name, he would give you the right to become a child of God. And that's what matters most at Christmas time. Where do you stand with God? Do you know Jesus Savior? And does that matter to you more than anything else? Because light has come into this world. And the darkness that resides in every single one of us can be vanquished and overcome and be brought completely new by the grace of God and Jesus. That's what's so glorious about the gospel. And that's what's so beautiful about Christmas time. Let me pray for you.